It is great to see so many of you here on our campus. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. Week three of our Weathering Life Storms teaching series. I hope it's been an encouragement to you so far. And if you're just jumping in today, welcome. We're honored you're here. Let's get off and running because we got a lot to cover. Let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about weathering the storm of my thought life. Now, for some of you, you just got anxiety, just got a little nervous. You're like, man, my thoughts are all over the place. Like, how am I going to weather that storm? But I hope today gives you some hope, and I hope today gives you some encouragement. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I think I'm all right. I think my thoughts, you know, I'm not perfect, but I don't know if I would say I've got a storm in that area. Uh, let me challenge you. You may be challenged today to go, wow, I'd never considered that. God is actually showing me how sometimes there are some storms when it comes to my thoughts. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this particular topic in this series is because regardless of the particular storm, last week we talked about weathering uh, storms in our marriage. So if you missed that message and you're married and you're going through a storm, take a deep breath. We all go through storms in our marriage. But God's Word can guide us through that, and I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to that. But whether it's in your marriage, it could be with your kids, it might be in your finances, it could be in whatever area, a lot of what is going to have to do with how you get through that storm is how you think about it. And so today's message really is going to allow us to look at a number of different particular storms in our life. But let me take you to a verse foundationally that kind of gives us the reason for why this matters so much when it comes to our thoughts. It's found in the Old Testament, and uh, this is the Old King James translation. I like the Old King James translation for this verse because it has a word in it that we don't use a lot that I think is kind of fun to say. So Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So let's leave this up for a second. Let's talk about it. First of all, the word he, don't think gender specific. This is kind of all inclusive, all of mankind, he or she. So for as he or she thinketh in his or her heart, so is he or she. So this applies to all of us and it uses the word thinketh. When's the last time you said the word thinketh? I think we need to bring that back. I think it's kind of a fun word to say. But here's what's interesting about this verse. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, heart. We don't often associate those two things. We think of thinking in our mind and loving from our heart. But what this verse does is it really kind of takes those categories that we've separated and it really makes them one. It says, as you think in your heart, so are you. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So let me give you a little bit of a diagram that I think might actually be helpful. And this might be a good time to go ahead and grab your message notes because I didn't put this in your message notes, but you might want to draw it in there. And if you're joining us online, not sure how you're going to draw it, but you can access the message notes at vaughnforest.com or through the Vaughn Forest Church app. And so those of you here on our campus, you're looking at your message notes. There's four principles. We're going to get to those in a little while, okay? But there's some things I want to walk through first when it comes to our thought life to kind of build a foundation before we get to the application. So I think this is what Proverbs 20:37 is saying. There's thoughts in our lives, and they lead us to either a belief or sometimes an emotion. Back in the fall of 2021, we did a series on emotional health. If you weren't here in our church at that time, I think it's on our website somewhere. I'm not really good with technology, but I'm sure you could find it. The series is called, I Guess I Just Feel Like. We talked about emotional health. And one of the things we talked about in that series is that even though we think culturally our emotions come from our hearts, biblically, and what science now knows, because we've learned more about the brain in the last 20 years than the previous 200 years, is what we now know is that our emotions, they don't find their origin in the organ that pumps our blood. They find their origin in our mind. 
But, but it's, it's good to still speak from the heart. I mean, say, you know, tell your spouse, I love you with all my heart, not I love you with both sides of my brain. Probably not going to go as well, okay? So I kind of get it. But whether it's a belief that we understand or an emotion that we feel, both of those find their origin in our thoughts. Now, why does that matter? Because the beliefs and the emotions affect our attitude, which eventually plays itself out through our actions. Now, sometimes we skip immediately from belief and emotion and go straight to action, and it kind of bypasses the attitude step. But this is really foundational to understanding the importance of our thoughts, and it's really foundational to understanding the people in your life, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's your grandkids, whether it's your boss. So many times we focus on the actions. They're like, why are they doing what they're doing? Well, they're doing what they're doing because there's a lot of stuff behind what they're doing. You gotta back it up a bit. There's some kind of attitude, there's some kind of belief, there's some kind of emotion. And all of that is coming from a thought. But this word belief, again, we, we took a lot of time talking about emotions a year and a half ago. This word belief is so important to what we actually do in our lives. So I wanna spend some time talking about that. And I want to draw a correlation between beliefs and thoughts. So again, let's just kind of roll with this for a second when it comes to the beliefs in our lives. First of all, we will evaluate whether or not we can believe what someone tells us. When somebody tells you something, if you just immediately accept that as true, or you read something online and you immediately accept that as true, might I suggest a healthy uh, critical thinking skills are good. Not being critical. Those are two different things. But healthy, critical thinking skills. Can I really believe that? I need to evaluate that. Did you know that you're actually told to do that in the Bible? With guys like me. You get up here and I teach God's word. You don't just take it because I tell you. you. You take it, you compare it to God's word. And if God's word wins, I lose, okay? So God's word is always more important. In the book of Acts, Paul said, there's this group of people called the Bereans. And every time I teach, they take what I teach and they compare it to God's word. And he says, we should all be like Bereans. So that's a good thing. So you evaluate whether or not you can believe what you hear from someone else. Second, we sometimes believe someone when they can show us. Someone tells you something, you ever responded by saying, well, well, how do you prove that to me? Or could you show me that? And maybe they pull up a video on their phone and they show you. You're like, okay, like I, I kind of see it now. I didn't understand it before, but, but, but I could kind of believe that because you now showed me an example. Next, we often believe what our friends tell us. This is the importance of relationships, friendships. This is why it's important to have good friends because a lot of times we bypass the step of evaluating, we bypass the step of considering, and we just kind of accept it because it's a friend, it's somebody that we know. So think about this for a second. We're, we're gonna evaluate, we hear from other people. We might buy into it if you can show us something. Pretty good chance we're gonna listen to and believe our friends, but here's where it gets real interesting. We always believe what we tell ourselves. We rarely doubt our own thoughts. For most of us, our thoughts, without any type of evaluation, without any type of questioning, immediately become beliefs. So let's go back to that little diagram we were just looking at a second ago. And now we kind of see the power of this. That if we believe what we think, that and that alone contributes more to everything else in our lives than anything else in our lives. And so if we don't know how to weather the storm of our thought life, we really are going to be 
in trouble. So let's just kind of keep this going. Right? Let's just talk about our thoughts a little bit more. We, we don't talk about our thoughts enough. So let's just make a few more observations about our thoughts. No one has more conversations with you than you. That's true about you. That's true about me. Tens of thousands of thoughts a day, you're constantly rolling through your mind. Okay? Now, if you have conversations with you and you do that out loud, you might want to cut that back a little bit. Okay, just making a helpful suggestion there. But you're going to talk to some of you. You're doing it right now. You just got all these thoughts rolling through your mind. Where are we going to eat? How's that going to work? That's going to work itself out. Focus. Come on, focus on me right now. Okay, focus. Everybody focus. All right, you got a lot of thoughts running through your head. And no one has more conversations with you than you. Isn't that interesting? Now, why does that matter? Because for most of us, we immediately believe whatever it is that we're thinking about, which is kind of the second observation when it comes to our thoughts. Most of us, and I said us, this is not me having figured this out, telling all y'all to get your act together, okay? This is all of us together. Most of us aren't good at spotting lies in our own thought life. We're gonna talk about that today. How can you spot a lie in your own thought life? Did you know that God's word actually gives us some guidance on how to do that? And it's not a skill that, that we know. It's probably not a skill that you've been taught. There probably wasn't a class that you took in college that said, hey, here's how to spot lies in your own thought life. And yet that happens. And this is important. And you can see why, because if we believe a lie, what does that do? It's gonna affect our attitude. It's gonna affect our emotions. It's gonna affect our actions. It's gonna affect all of the relationships. It's gonna affect our job. It's going to affect everything about our lives. We've gotta be able to spot the lies that we think about in our mind. And then finally, I would challenge you to write this down somewhere. The thoughts you listen to will determine the future you experience. Don't miss that. The thoughts you listen to, and no one has more conversations with you than you. And the thoughts that you choose to let take root in your mind and in your heart, it's gonna determine the future you experience. The ability to recognize thoughts and go, wait a second, that's not true. I better not let that take root. I better not let that guide my life. The ability to do that is going to have a direct bearing on the future you experience. So let me step on your toes for a second. I'm doing it because I love you and I care about you, and it's doing it because this is what men of God who love me help me do in my own walk with the Lord. It is very easy to think if you're married. I know we talk about marriage for a whole week. Just, just give me a second. My spouse will determine the future I experience. If you got kids, my kids will determine the future I experience. My boss will determine the future I experience with my career. My health, my physical health will determine the future I experience. Where I live will determine the future I experience. I could do this all day. See, what we do, the checking account balance, that's a really good one. Pastor, if you could see that I got no money, now I'm dead. That's what's going to determine the future I experience. Here we go. Let's play ball. It's like tennis. I'll hit it back to your court. You hit it back to mine. Here we go, okay? We could do this all day. We can just name thing after thing after thing in our life, and we can convince ourselves that that is going to determine the future that we experience. And I'm telling you right now, that's a lie. It's what you think about each one of those categories and whether or not the thoughts that you choose to dwell upon are being guided by God's word, that's ultimately going to determine the future you experience in any area of your life and in the whole of your life. Do you see why this matters so much? 
So if that's true, and the voice that we're listening to is going to guide us moving forward through any particular storm in our life, we better make sure we have built our thoughts on the right foundation. That's what I wanna spend the rest of our time talking about. How to build my thought life on a firm foundation. I'm gonna give you four principles here in just a second on how to do that from God's word. But if you're, again, if you're new, if you're jumping in, this may be new language, so let me kind of take a second. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus talks about a guy who built his house on the rock and a guy who built his house on the sand. And a storm came through and the house on the rock was left standing and the house on the sand fell. And obviously the difference is the foundation. So we've been using that imagery in this series. And so regardless of where you are in your thought life, you may be like, man, my thought life is, is, is a mess. It's not good. Or you may think, I think I'm doing okay. Or somewhere in between, all of us can build and or rebuild our thought life on a firm foundation guided by God's word. So let me give you these four action steps. You can jot them down as we work our way through them. Okay, here's the first one. Learn how to discern my own thoughts. Learn how to discern my own thoughts. I alluded to that earlier. That not everything you think is actually true. And, and that's hard for us to accept. And it's hard to figure out how do I evaluate my thoughts and discern what's true, what's a lie? Have I bought into some lies that I'm actually believing and they're guiding my life? What's that supposed to look like? We're, we're gonna spend a lot of time today in a book in the Bible that is one of my favorite books in the Bible, okay? It's really long, um, which is why I've never tackled teaching through the entire book because it would probably take a couple years, but who knows? We may do that a few years down the road, okay? It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth and it's called 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, there's so much there about what we're talking about today with our thoughts. So let me take you to one verse and we're gonna unpack this verse for a second. So get comfortable. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we're gonna spend a little bit of time on this verse because I think it's foundational to helping us learn how to discern our thoughts. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and there's a comma. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna teach the first part of this verse, and then we'll come back to the second part of this verse here in a second. I think the first place that we think of applying the first part of this verse, demolishing arguments, pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God is we think of how we can do that with others. And that's actually not bad. You do know that part of being a Christ follower is not being ashamed of being a Christ follower, right? Like it's okay to actually stand up for what you believe in. It's okay to claim the name of Jesus. Now, you don't need to be a jerk about it. I mean, you don't need to be rude about it. You don't need to like, you know, be that guy who's always right or that girl that's always right. But listen, sometimes people say some things and they're just straight up not right. Like we actually believe the Bible says there is right and there is wrong. We believe the Bible says there is male and there is female. We believe the Bible says there is marriage between one man and one woman for life. I know that's crazy in our world today, but we actually believe that. So when people say, no, it's not that way, I think sometimes the tendency is to go, let's go demolish that argument. Second Corinthians 10, five, hallelujah, okay? Now look, that might be something you need to do at some point, but let me challenge you with this. I think the first place to apply this verse is in our own thought life. So how do you demolish the arguments in your own mind that are setting themselves up against the knowledge of God? You say, what do you mean by that? Here's a few. You may have thought some of these things this week. You don't matter. No one would ever love you. Your spouse is already thinking about somebody else. 
your spouse doesn't deserve you. Your life doesn't matter. You know what? You could end your life right now and nobody would even notice or care or miss you. See, those are arguments that we have to demolish in our own minds that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? Here's the knowledge of God. Here's the truth of God's word. You matter. Your life has purpose. That purpose is not determined by whether or not another person loves and or accepts you. Because you see, God loves you. He created you in his own image. And he loves you so much that he willingly chose to sacrifice his only son for your sin so that you could be reconciled back to him and have a relationship with him. And your life has purpose and your life has value. But you see, if you let these thoughts in your mind continue to roll and continue to take root and you don't attack them and you don't demolish them as you compare them to the knowledge of God, they're gonna take root and they're gonna lead you down a wrong path. We have to discern those. Now, look at what the second part of the verse says. It says, we then take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do you take a thought captive? You don't just accept it at face value. Thought pops into your mind. Here's a good question to ask yourself. Where did that come from? Who told me that? Is that my past speaking to me again? Yep, it is. I'll tell you what, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but those thoughts, they keep popping into my mind. Let me tell you what I'm gonna do with that thought. I'm gonna take that thought captive. It's like wrestling a steer to the ground. I'm gonna take that thought captive and I'm gonna make it obedient to Christ. I'm gonna hold that thought up to the cross and I'm gonna go, listen, thought, you got nailed to the cross. You said, that sounds like a lot of work. You're already putting in a lot of work. You got thoughts going through your head right now. You might as well focus that work towards having thoughts that are actually productive. You take every thought captive and you hold it up to the cross and you make it obedient to Christ. And you let the thoughts that match up with the gospel and they match up with who God says you are, you let those thoughts take root and the rest of them, you just flush them on out. You just flush them on out. And this doesn't happen overnight. But if you'll do this over time, you will begin to develop the skill of learning how to discern your own thoughts and, and, choose to, and, and learning how to choose which thoughts you're going to dwell upon. Okay, It's important and it matters when it comes to weathering the storms in our thought life. Maybe the second way that we can build our thought life on a firm foundation. Daily allow God's word to both renew my mind and restore my heart. This is what happens when we spend time in God's word. The Bible is the only book that when we read it, it reads us. But if you're not spending time in God's word, it's not even going to have the opportunity to renew your mind and to restore your heart. Okay, so let's go back to God's word and let's take a look at it. Again, we're back in 2 Corinthians, spent a little bit of time there today. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And I think that's important. The Paul's trying to say, hey, we can lose heart. There's a lot of things happening in our life, but we're not going to let that happen. Okay, we're not going to let that happen. He says, we're not going to lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Now, that's not real encouraging until we understand what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, this, this earthly vessel that you're in, this world is not your home. That body's not even kind of your home. You're going to get a resurrected body one day, but here's the thing. You're going to waste away. You're going to get old. Your knees are gonna start hurting. My knees hurt. Does that mean I'm getting old? I think it does, right? This is normal. You're wasting away. But what does Paul say? Inwardly, in the midst of all of that, we are being renewed every single Sunday at Vaughn Forest Church. No, that's not what he says, is it? He says we're being renewed day by day. Isn't that interesting? Can I just level with you? 
in this world that we live in, unless you're allowing God's word to renew your mind and restore your heart every day, it's gonna be real easy to let your thoughts go in a lot of different directions. It is a day-by-day renewal that God's word can bring into our life and bring into our thoughts. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles. See, Paul just keeps doing it. He literally just made fun of your storm. Paul just said, hey, whatever storm you, you came to church to talk about today, weathering life storms, here's what I'm gonna call it, light and momentary trouble. Paul has a way of doing this. Like, Paul, don't you know what's going on in my life? How could you call that a light and momentary trouble? Because he sees the purpose in the storm. He sees the purpose in the circumstance. Look what's happening. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And look what he says. He gets crazy. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Come on. Paul says, here's the problem. Most of y'all are focused way too much on what you can see. And you've got to stop looking at what you can see and start staring at what you can't see. This is why Peter said some of Paul's writings are super confusing. Peter literally said that about Paul, okay? Paul's like, stop looking at what you're seeing and start focusing on what you can't see. And if you'll do that, all of a sudden, the way you think about what's happening in your life, it begins to shift. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, we are incapable of having this type of perspective on our own, which is why we have to go to God's word. That every single day, God's word can restore our mind and renew our heart. So let me give you a next step. It's on your connection card today. I believe it's the last next step. Send me more info about a daily Bible reading plan. If you don't know how to spend time reading God's word every single day, can I challenge you? Mark that next step. Because if you go on Google and you Google daily Bible reading plans, it's overwhelming all the results that you're going to get. So we've kind of gone through and we've chosen, you know, not a lot. It's not an overwhelming list. It's just a good place to start. Hey, here's three, four, five places. Here's a couple of apps you might want to look into. Because if you just sit down and you open up Genesis and you're like, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all the way to the end of Revelation. Like, okay, good luck. But a better approach would be maybe to choose a specific plan that takes you on a different journey through God's word, depending on the season of life you're in, depending on maybe some storms that you might be facing right now. But unless you are spending time in God's word every single day and letting it restore your mind and renew your heart, you're going to have a difficult time weathering the storm of your thought life. So let me encourage you to do that. Here we go. Next step. Number three, we're building our thought life on a firm foundation. Change my diet for what I'm feeding my mind. Change my diet for what I'm feeding my mind. Let's talk about your physical health for a second. Not like really, just kind of like, you know, as, a, as an example, okay? I'm not talking about anybody in particular here. But let's just say that you're like, I need to lose a few LBs. I'm going to get that number on the scale. It's going to drop. I'm going to lose some weight. It's going to be awesome. Okay, well, let me tell you a good place to start. Look at what you're eating. Because if you're still eating dessert, you know, I ain't an expert, but what I can tell you right now is that's going to be hard. And we get this. It's like, I, if my physical health is going to change, I got to change my diet, which means I can't eat the things that taste good, and I have to start eating the things that don't taste good. Can I get an amen? Okay, that's every basic dieting plan. Okay, but think about that with our thought life. You, your mind is... is is really like a sponge. Your mind is constantly just consuming whatever it is that you're feeding it. 
I, I didn't want to do this because it would have made a big mess out here. And, and we don't want to make a big mess out here. So I need you to visualize with me for a second and see this. But if I had a big sponge out here and I dipped it in water and I squeezed it, water would go everywhere. Y'all probably get wet down front, okay? That might have actually been kind of fun. But I didn't do that to make a gigantic mess. But I want you to think about your mind that way. It's like a sponge. It's absorbing things. And then when pressure comes into your life, when a storm comes into your life, when you get into another argument with your spouse or your kids or your boss, what happens? It gets squeezed, and whatever you've been putting into your mind, I promise you, is what's going to come out. It's going to come out in your attitude. It's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in your tone and the words that you say. So we've got to be mindful of what we are feeding our Mind. So let's go back to God's word and let's see what it says about this. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of the world when it comes to our thought life? Anything goes. Anything goes. I mean, the moment you suggest, maybe that shouldn't be something we watch, see, you know, try to understand. Everybody's like, you know, I can't believe you're so narrow-minded, okay? Can I just encourage you? Don't conform to the pattern of this world when it comes to what feeds your thoughts, and feed your thought life, okay? That's a formula for disaster. So we've got to choose a different path. And what is that different path? To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now look what happens in the rest of this verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. One of the number one questions I get asked as a pastor is, how do I know what God's will is for my life? And that's a pretty big discussion to have, but can I tell you how not to know what God's will is for your life? Follow the pattern of the world with your thought life. See, unless you transform your mind to be renewed by God, you're never even gonna get any insight into what God's will is for your life. But for many of us, if we were honest, what we feed our minds looks no different than the world. Someone who's a Christ follower is feeding his or her mind the same thing as someone who is not a Christ follower. And this is why a lot of people who claim the name of Jesus, their lives look no different than people who don't. Same attitude, same actions. Life looks no different. And they may have genuinely been born again, but they're feeding their mind things that look more like the pattern of the world than allowing God's word to speak into their mind. And like we just talked about, restore it and restore their hearts. Let me give you a next step. This may not be for everybody, but this may be for some of y'all, okay? I did not put this on the connection card, but I'm gonna tell you what this looks like. Perhaps you need to consider a social media Lenten fast. What am I talking about? This Wednesday is uh, the start of Lent. We got six weeks till Easter. And for centuries, Christians have decided, not everybody, again, this is not legalism. This is something that maybe the Lord leads you to do, that for the six weeks leading up to Easter, you just fast from something. You abstain from something. It might be a particular food group. It might be, it could be anything in your life. But for some of y'all, you might need to go into a season where you just abstain for about six weeks from any type of social media. That doesn't mean you can't check your email or pay your bills online or, you know, go to a reputable news source. I have to always stress that to see what's going on in the world. But whatever it is that's happening in social media, whatever your favorite social media choice, if when you're on social media, your blood pressure's going up, you're getting more frustrated, you're comparing, 
You're like, I thought my marriage was okay until I saw that couple, or I thought we had a good vacation plan until I saw that vacation, or I thought my kid was doing it. And then it's just, you just get all worked up. And, and, and the more you scroll, the more worked up you get. That's the Holy Spirit's way of saying, it's time to take a break. You take a break. And then come back around to it in about five or six weeks with a renewed mindset, with renewed thoughts, because it can be a wonderful thing. It's a great way to keep up with people who maybe you don't get to see as much of anymore. It, but, but if you're not careful, it can become something that is conforming your thoughts more to the pattern of this world. And that's nobody's fault but yours. Okay? That's not Mark Zuckerberg's fault, uh, fault or Elon Musk's fault. That's not their fault. That's your fault. Okay? So you got to do something about that. And see, this is the thing about our thoughts. Once we recognize that our thoughts actually have so much power, there's some good things we recognize and there's some bad things we recognize. The, the bad thing that we recognize, and I'm saying that tongue in cheek, is you can't blame people anymore. You can't blame your circumstances anymore. You don't get to play the victim card anymore. The good news is when you recognize the power of your thoughts and how God can use your thoughts to chart a new course moving forward, oh, that's incredibly freeing. You're no longer a victim to your circumstance. You're no longer a victim to your past. You're no longer a victim to what you saw on social media today. But listen, it takes some steps. So just, if you're considering that, just, hey, I think I might do that. I, I, might, I might do a social media fast for six weeks. Can I challenge you? Can you write the word fast, like on the prayer request line of your connection card? And here's the only reason why. So I can pray for you. Like I promise, I won't post it to my social media, okay? Let everybody know, look what they did. I'm not gonna do that, okay? I'm gonna pray for you, that God would meet you during that time. But for some of you, it might be a good step to consider. Now that's playing good defense. How are you gonna play good offense with what you feed your mind? Let me give you a good verse to guide you on this. Philippians 4.8. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, that's a really good list. Look at what it says. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So yes, maybe cut back on some things you're feeding your mind, but just like our physical health, you gotta start eating more vegetables with our minds, what are the things you're now going to feed? Because if you just take stuff away and you don't replace it with something good, eventually the stuff you took away will creep its way back in, okay? So what is admirable, lovely, pure? What are you listening to? I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be a legalist. What are you listening to? What are the shows you're watching? What are the movies you're consuming? Perhaps you need a new diet of what you feed your mind. And what you feed your mind matters to every other area of your life. You wanna build it on a firm foundation? That's a really important step. Finally, number four, building your thought life on a firm foundation. Develop a greater level of dependency, not more willpower. That's the challenging part of a message like this is we think, I gotta get better at that. My thoughts, I, I don't discern them very well. I just kind of run with them and, and they run with me and, and you know, they lead me down to a dark place and I, I gotta get better at discerning that. And man, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in God's word. And you're right, the whole healthy diet with thoughts. The temptation is then to go, okay, I got this. 
And can I tell you, by Tuesday at lunchtime, it'll all be over, okay? It, it just won't even, you won't even remember like what we're talking about right now. And, and for some of us, we beat ourselves up over that. And we think, man, I just can't get this Christianity thing down. I keep trying to do it and I keep messing it up. See, here's how you get the Christianity thing down. You admit you can't get the Christianity thing down. The only person who got that right is named Jesus. And he died on a cross for you in your place. Perfection is not the goal. He was perfect in your place. Your job isn't to get enough strength or willpower. Your job, and this is the part we don't like, is to humbly admit you can't do it, become more dependent on God's strength than yours, and accept that. So we've been talking about Paul today. Let me take you back to 2 Corinthians again. This is super interesting. Look at how Paul had to reach this conclusion. It's not about willpower. It's about dependency. Here's Paul writing again in 2 Corinthians. But he said to me, who's he? Jesus. Here's what Jesus told Paul. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't think that's what Paul wanted to hear. And what Jesus is saying is, Paul, this area of weakness in your life is actually where you need my power the most. So if you keep relying on willpower or effort competency or know-how or whatever other word we want to use, you're going to take two steps forward, one step back. My grace is sufficient for you. You can experience my power in your area of weakness. It requires greater levels of dependency. And once Paul got this, he reached the right conclusion. Look how the verse continues. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And look how he concludes the passage. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For some of you who really struggle with your thought life, this is the best news you can get this morning. God's expectation of you is not that you get stronger in that area. God is calling on you to come clean and say, I can't do this in my own strength. I don't need more willpower. I need a greater level of humility to admit this is an area of weakness that if I don't receive God's strength, if I don't operate through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to gain victory in this area of my life. Are there steps to take? Of course. Do you need to spend time in God's word? Yes, you need to be mindful, but you feed your mind. But whose power are you going to move forward in? And here's what Paul's saying. When you find a weakness... That's where you can experience the power of Jesus the most. Hey, would you bow your head with me this morning? This has just been heavy on me all week. We don't talk about our thoughts. We talk about what we said. We talk about what we did. We don't talk about what we thought. And I want you to know that if you struggle with your thoughts, you're not alone. I think sometimes the enemy likes to isolate people and make them feel like they're the only ones that have this struggle. And then the challenge with that is you don't know who you can tell. You don't know who you can talk to about it. You, you don't know how to get hope. But can I tell you the good news this morning is that Jesus wants to meet you right there. It might be your past. It might be a current challenge. It might be 
a way forward that you don't really know how to move forward. And any of those things create a storm in our mind. The song we're about to sing has kind of been our declaration in this series. That regardless of whatever storm we're talking about, if we don't build that area of our life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, storms are going to knock us down. And maybe you're here today and you've been knocked down by a storm. And you're wondering what's the next step. God can rebuild your life. But he's not going to build it on the foundation that led you to here. He's going to lovingly lead you to rebuild it on the foundation of his son, Jesus Christ. For some of you, that might mean starting a relationship with him. You've never come to a point in your life where you've admitted that you need a savior. For some of you, it's, it's finally relinquishing control of a particular area of your life that continues to plague not just your thoughts, but every area of your life. And regardless of where you're at, here's what Jesus is saying. Build your life on me. I am the only foundation that you can stand on. And so Jesus, as we come to you in this time of response, we know that you're a foundation. But many of us haven't built our life on you. And God, for many of us, the area of our life where the enemy continues to plague us the most is with our thoughts. And Lord, we want to speak against him today in the name of Jesus. And we want to begin to build our thought life on you take captive every thought and hold it up at the cross and leave it nailed there and move forward with you. So Lord, for those of us who are wrestling with that right now, for those of us who just need a fresh word from you, a, a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we sing these words this morning, would you meet us where we're at? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you stand together as we respond and worship this morning?